For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so <laughs> you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning, good morning, happy Tuesday, welcome to another installment of the Chaotic Sports Podcast right here on the Grid Sports Network, your new leaders in digital media, sports, and entertainment. I'm your host and content creator, Patrick L. Brown, and I'd like to say welcome to all those who are first-time listeners. I thank you very much for that. Be sure to subscribe, share, comment, and like on the Grid you can follow us on uh, social media platforms at Grid Network on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. You can also follow the YouTube channel as well. Be sure to tell a friend and tell a friend because the network is expanding as we speak. A lot of stuff to dive into today. Going to continue a series that I started a uh, week before last. This is going to be a continuation of uh making your mental health a, a priority this was part two and the first episode is available to listen on the grid network on your podcasting uh app you can find that on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, wherever you may have your podcast um service from but before we get into all that we had to start the show off on a somber note as some of you are aware within the last 12 hours or so we had another school shooting in Nashville Tennessee another heartbreaking tragedy that involved children and there's not much more that I can say that everybody else has already said on talk shows and whatnot but I echo every sentiment that has been said Everyone here at Chaotic Sports Podcast, along with my grid teammates, we send our heartfelt thoughts, prayers, and condolences to all the families and loved ones in Nashville, Tennessee, and the community. But before we get into our topics, I would like to go ahead and have a moment of silence for the victims as we speak, if you could, wherever you may be at this hour, join me 
and a moment of silence. Thank you. Thank you for taking your time to have a moment of silence with me. Let's go ahead and try to transition into our part two of our mental health segment and topic. This is a series that I am that I've been working on for quite some time. Part one, like I said, is available to listen to on the grid. Uh, This is part two, which is simply titled Take Initiative and seek treatments. We all are going through some some things in our life right now, regardless if it's on our job and our families, marriages, relationships, whatever the case may be, it takes a toll on everybody, including your your little ones and your kids, your your teenagers, whatever whichever you may have in your household. Everything is different today. There's a whole lot of madness going on. There's a lot of broken homes. Kids are basically raising themselves and they're suffering in silence. People who suffer in silence fight the strongest battles. And we fight those battles alone because as someone like myself and others who I've come in contact with that deal with mental health, it's it takes a toll on you emotionally and physically. I am a witness to that. I am a survivor and I'm still, you know, doing treatments, you know, medication and whatnot in order to kind of cope with my mental health. And sometimes when you really sit back and obviously when you're in a, a safe space and it's peaceful around you, random thoughts creep in. I'll touch more on that later, but we're going to talk about the common types of mental health issues that are affecting not just adults, but, you know, children as well. And some of this stuff goes undetected until it gets to a breaking point. Different variety treatments include psychiatric counseling. What I mean by that is you sit one-on-one with a counselor and they open up open up their file and they take a lot of notes. This is one of the things that your counselor or therapist would do upon your visit and from from move, and moving forward. Each session is a follow-up because they'll go back and review what was discussed the last time and how much progress have you made since, you know, your last visit? I've been seeing a therapist for three years. It'll be three years this uh, this year. One of the things that I've learned in this whole journey is you have to build a relationship with your therapist. This is very important. If you don't build that relationship He or she can't help you. And it just makes it that much more difficult for you to open up. Because nine times out of ten, a majority of us are afraid of admitting that we need to see a therapist. There's nothing wrong with seeing a therapist. 
There's nothing wrong with that. Anyone who is in counseling will tell you that. Whether it be uh, marriage counseling, relationship counseling, whatever the counseling you may be, it's difficult to open up to a random person that you don't know nothing about. Your first two uh, sessions are usually built around, you know, what's been your, you know, what's been troubling you, uh, the erratic behavior. What what are your signs and symptoms of knowing that you you're in therapy and counseling to begin with? As we go through the next several episodes on mental health, my prayer is that everyone receives something out of this. It's a little out of the norm for me to not be talking about sports, but as a black man in America and someone who is very passionate and an advocate for, I believe that this is important for everyone. Because we are all dealing with something one way or another in our lives. Sometimes medication can be uh, prescribed for starters. Your therapist may per, you know, recommend this, but it starts when you go to see your primary health care provider. Your doctor, if you explain that to them, they may be able to you know, get you started on you know, an SSRI or... Something that will help you cope with, you know, your anxiety, depression, or whatever whatever you may be dealing with. Your doctor doesn't know if you don't tell them. That was one of the things I struggled with, you know, a few years ago when I admitted as like, okay, doc, I need something to help me cope with my anxiety and depression. I've been having crazy thoughts I feel alienated and abandoned in my mind and everything that was going on at the time. The pandemic had just started. Uh, The late, great Kobe Bryant and his daughter and all those that were on the helicopter crash on January 26th. Then George Floyd happens and Breonna Taylor and everything was going on during that time in my life where I was just like, I can't deal with this. True story, the first two weeks of the pandemic of 2020, I did okay. It was those last five weeks I struggled. I was lonely. I was hurt because it's like I can't go anywhere. I can't do nothing. It was all new to us. It was foreign. I would do good to go to the store and pick up a few essential items. And then I would come back home and I would just, just stay in the house. I try to read to kind of calm my mind down. I try to write and I went for walks because I was living outside of the city at the time. So there was a lot of cornfields and all that, not too far from the house. And I did a lot of walking. It was strange because here I was happy go lucky. But near the end of 2019 and 2020, I started to have crazy thoughts. Not to say that I was suicidal, but everything just didn't feel right. I didn't feel right mentally. I go to work. I was mopey. I was just not, I would just use more expressions than anything. I didn't really talk a whole lot. And I'm usually a talkative individual, but I went back into my shell and 
my team members started asking me, was everything okay? It's like, I don't know if I'm okay. It's like, I haven't been eating a whole lot. All I ate was junk food and drink water. That is it. That was my diet for basically two months. I didn't eat because I didn't feel like it. I wasn't going to force myself to eat. Drink water. And next thing I know, go from a healthy 160 pounds all the way down to 125 in a matter of about two and a half months. That's when I knew something was wrong with me. I went to the doctor, but when the pandemic hit, everything was shut down. So I had to wait. And during that process, I had to really, really try to keep my composure because I was on edge. My breaking point came when I was having a conversation with my mother and some things was going on and I just just went completely AWOL. I wasn't mad at her, but it was just the stuff that was going on. And she's standing in the kitchen looking at me and she has this blank look on her face. I was like, what's the matter? It's like, what did I say? She goes, well, you feel better now? I was like, well, I do, but I don't. And she said, well, I think it's time for you to go see a therapist. And I looked at her and I said, you know what? You're right. I looked at her. I looked at my niece and nephew. And I was like, okay, this is serious because it, who knows what I could have, what could have happened to me if I had been sitting somewhere by myself in the house, door closed to my bedroom and zoned out. Who knows? But. Praise be to God, I was able to see a therapist and everything opened back up. I still didn't feel myself, but it felt good to build that relationship and, you know, that strong bond with my my therapist. I'm on my second therapist because my first therapist up and moved to Florida whenever everything just, that's where the market was. That's where the, the money was because there she she took another position and she relocated to Florida and I had to start all over again. But I'm making progress and my hope is that you all will take the initiative to seek treatments after listening to these episodes that we're going to be doing. Because I have a feeling this is going to be another couple episodes depending on how far I take it. Most common uh, mental health issues... Clinical depression, anxiety disorder, bipolar disorder, dementia, ADHD, ADD, schizophrenia, OCD, autism, and PTSD. Most of this is common within the human mind, but it's not triggered until something happens, whether if that be uh, a light, a light, a health scare, or a traumatic event, as we're dealing with in today's society, whether it be a tragedy in schools, uh, a losing of a loved one, something triggers any of those elements within the mind. You can be, excuse me, you can be healthy one day, I wake up the next day like I feel mopey, I'm sad. I don't want to do anything. And then you try to figure out what happened to me. That's a lot of us. Because we shield all of that 
over time until it's brought to the light. Regardless of what may happen, you still have some traces of mental health issues within your family, within your DNA. I believe that to be true. Because most of the people that I've come across have dealt with the similar issues. People that I've worked with. And everything that reared its ugly head, it brought mental health to the forefront. A lot of trauma. A lot of depression. Anxiety. People committing suicide. For no reason. But they were taking their own lives. And that hurts when you have to see someone suffering silence and you can't help them. They said the first admission to admitting is you need help. That's the first step into recovery, regardless if you're dealing with drugs, alcohol, whatever it may be. The first thing they say, the the first step to recovery is admitting that you need help, that you have a problem. There's all kinds of health issues that revolve around mental health. We may try to do holistic healing that works to a degree. We can try treatments with prescription drugs from our doctors, self-care. There's a whole lot of practices out there that are effective. You just have to find the one that works for you because it may not work for everybody. Some people are skittish about doing a whole lot of medication. I was afraid at first, but I knew if I wanted to get help, that's that was my first step. I've been on my medication for going on three years and I function just fine. But I know if I don't I don't take that medicine, I know the, the side effect that it has on me mentally because it takes roughly six to eight weeks for that prescription to fully take course. And the first day I took mine, it took me for a loop. I was felt like I was on a roller coaster ride. I tried taking it in the morning. That was a bad idea. And taking it when I was at work, I was miserable for that day. I, I'll never forget it. I was It was a hot day in June, and I was miserable from top to bottom. I felt nauseous, dizzy, dehydrated, because like it was something new in my body that I hadn't took before. Nevertheless, I got through that day. I went home, and I took a power nap. That's how bad it knocked me out the first time around. I got to the second day, I was fine. It just took, she takes your body at least 24 hours to get adjusted to something that's never had before. But if your medication takes a good four to six weeks before it to start kicking in into the, the bloodstream and everything else. There's all kinds of treatments for, for mental health. You got psychotherapy, counseling, prescription medicine, which I mentioned, Support groups, other therapies, hospital and residential treatment, and however else you may need. Your healthcare provider can give you all the information you need unless you like to research stuff ahead of time before you make your your consensus decision. One of the things that I've learned as well is having that that strong support system. Therapy doesn't mean anything unless you have a strong support system around you for me there was a handful of people that you know consisted of my support system my cousin who 
is my confidant and has been there with me every step of the way since we were kids. My mom and my niece and nephew, even though they're six and five, they they're like the the bright spot of the support group because when I'm having a bad day, I I can FaceTime them and and talk to them and and I forget about my you know what's going on in my life at that particular moment. But that's the main thing, having genuine friends around around you who care. You can't have friends around you that are going to constantly, you know, disrespect you and clown you and everything else under the sun when you open up about your struggles with mental health. Because at the end of the day, that could be someone in their family that could be dealing with the same thing. And it won't be so funny, will it? I believe that having the right individuals who will support you, give you the confidence, and build and help build your yourself back up. But the first step is within yourself is saying, I need help. We have all seen, you know, a lot of people who are in therapy. Trust me, I'm still in there and there's a lot of us who are going through the similar situations. And for me, I've always felt like I can be a blessing to somebody else by using my platform to be an advocate, to be an ally. Because I know what mental health has done to me and to some other people I know. Some people took their own lives because they couldn't cope with you know, the stress and anxiety that was put on them. Some of it was self-inflicted, but they had took the time to say, where do I go to get help? Maybe they'd still be here today. They'd probably be somewhere in a a psychiatric unit, but nevertheless, they would have been getting the help that they needed. Because the strongest individuals take the, the hardest beatings mentally and emotionally. The oldest sibling in a family has to be the voice of reason. And they have to put up with a lot of nonsense. They have to make decisions based upon what's best for everybody. If you have a big household and you got siblings, you know what I'm talking about. I am the oldest of two. And I've pretty much made up my mind that something were to happen, there's things in place. It's pre-planned. There's no changing it at the last minute. If I've got high sight set on something, I'm going for it. I'm not, I'm not trusting any and everybody to help make a decision for me that I pre-made myself. It can be complicated because at the end of the day, people are aren't going to agree with everything that has to be said. With me being the oldest, I know I have to make some decisions in the near future. Push come to shove and something happens. In my mind, I've already prepared myself. When we when I cross that bridge, I already have a plan in place. Nobody's going to change it for me. If anybody does the changing, it's me. Not anybody else. I'll listen to your advice, but if I've got hindsight set on something, I'm going for it. 
whenever we cross a whole lot of bridges in our lives, sometimes they have to be, they have to stay burned for a reason. I had to learn this the hard way. As I went through this healing journey, there was people that I had to distance myself from. There was people that, you know, you keep at arm's length, but you don't go nowhere near them. You see them, hey, how you doing? And I leave it at that. I'm not one of those individuals that holds grudges, but at the end of the day, I know who I am and what I'm worth. You can't put a price on a peace of mind. People will have you controlled and bound and shackled to a point where it drives you insane. I've been there. It was horrible. The horrible things that I had to deal with from the time I was 16 all the way up till 2020. I had to break free from those shackles and chains and having those weights on my shoulders that I carried, all the burdens I carried for years. When I broke away from all that, I was a free as a bird. I was a free spirit. I felt lighter on my feet. And things started to open up for me. I saw things differently from a different perspective. So to all those who are out there who are listening today, do all that you can to make sure you're not bound mentally or emotionally to conformity. Because it will have you thinking everything that those individuals say are right. It feels like a cult to a degree. And that's what it felt like to me. I felt like I'm doing everything right, but everybody else around me is doing far worse. But yet, they're right. And when I spoke up about what was going on, I got chastised. Not openly, but on social media, it became a mess. I didn't get on social media for months. I haven't been on Facebook in three years And here's my reason behind that. I had made a post about my starting my treatments for my anxiety and depression. This is right after, you know, around June-ish, somewhere up in there. And someone just happened to see my post. They wasn't on Facebook, but I was told nobody wants to hear about mental health. Nobody cares about depression and anxiety and all this other stuff. That makes you that much less of a human being if you're, you're open like that. And from that day on, I decided I was done with Facebook. I don't even remember my password, to be honest with you. I don't remember it. It got to a point where I was tired of people telling me what to do, how to feel, how to think. And I was kept asking myself, why are they drilling me when there's other people around who's doing far worse, but I'm actually doing something constructive with my life? I wasn't out here sowing wild oats having multiple baby mamas, having multiple kids, just out here wilding out. But yet, I was still getting chastised for little stuff. When other people around me, their kids are doing far worse. But yet, you say something about their kids, well, that's none of your business. Like, well, it it is my business if you're going to chastise me. I should be able to chastise your kids. Hello? Hello?
And if it walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, by golly, it's a duck. And when I stood on my own two feet and I stuck my chest out and I said it with my chest, as Kevin Hart once said, I felt pretty good. Felt pretty good. You know why? Because at the end of the day, I knew I was right. You can't change that. Just look at you. Just look at the erratic behavior that's going on around you. But yet you want to throw darts at me because I'm not. I didn't want to be a part of the clique. Sorry, I don't have time for clicks. Clicks is another form of conformity. That's another form of being bound and shackled. If you got to live your life to please others, it ain't worth it, man. It ain't worth it. I was always the outsider and I loved it. You know why I was the outsider? Because I, when something went down, I knew nothing about it. I'd rather be an outsider than anything. You can live your life trying to be like others, but at the end of the day, you can't always keep up with the Joneses. Now everybody wants to keep up with me because now that I'm doing good on my good for myself, good job, and I've got my own little humble loft, people are conspicuous. And I love it. You know why? Because I keep them guessing. You see, I got my podcast. I'm in online school. And they say, oh, you doing all right? I said, I'm, I'm, I'm living life. How you doing? And I leave it at that. Moving on to our next, our next segment of this mental health episode. Where does mental health issues occur? You might want to grab a Kleenex for this particular segment. Because it's about to be very... Very emotional. The reason why I say that is when I was writing this this particular episode out for part two, I got a little emotional because I'm a survivor of what's about to be said in this particular segment. Viewer discretion is advised. Mental health issues occur. During your childhood, when you're a kid, you really don't think about mental health. You're happy-go-lucky. All is well. You got your toys. You got your video games. You got your bike. You got all that you need. As mental health is progresses... Traumatic events can occur. Whether that's death of a loved one and you experiencing, you know, the grief and the emotions of other people. That can cause mental health problems. Because when you're a kid, you don't understand why someone in your family or a close friend of the family passes away. I can remember going to funeral homes as a kid. And I would see people, you know, laying in caskets. And they look peaceful. And I always, I often hear people say, you know, they lived a good life. They did. But when you're a kid, all you want to know is, you know, are they coming back? When will you see them again? So that plays into a child's mind that the person that they loved, whether it be a relative or someone who was a part close to the family 
it bothers them. And yes, I've seen kids lose their emotions upon seeing someone in a cassock as it, it traumatizes them. You're used to seeing someone alive and laughing and talking, but when you look at them and they can't speak and they don't open up their eyes and don't move, that triggers something in a child's mind. That's forever embedded in their mind and they don't forget. As they grow older, they'll always, the lasting image they'll have is that individual laying in the casket. They'll remember the good times, but that they'll, they'll just, that just stick with them for eternity. They may bottle that up as, as a kid and they, and they carry that in their bottle throughout their childhood. Emotional verbal abuse from someone in your family. Ladies and gentlemen, I am a survivor of that. As I sit here today, it was, it's, it's been, most of my issues occurred in my house. The verbal abuse I took from my dad and the emotional abuse I was traumatized by that. Regardless of what I did and what I said, and I was a quiet child. I didn't cause any problems, but I know if I did something I wasn't supposed to do, it went off in the deep end. Give you a little bit of a emotional story. Like I said, you're probably gonna need a, a Kleenex for this because it's for we're, um, we're cutting deep today. I can remember a point in my life as a kid growing up. I was sitting in the living room and I believe that I was either playing Nintendo or watching TV, wherever the case may have been. And my dad got severely angry for whatever reason. And decided to take it out on me. I didn't do nothing wrong. Just minding my own business. I'm a kid. And right there. Before my very eyes. My life flashed before me. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What I remember about this particular event was I was pinned up against the wall in the hallway like a rag doll fighting for my life. I couldn't move. I can still hear my mom, you know, screaming at the top of her lungs. And that alone still traumatizes me. My uncle who lives across the street, he come running out the front door of his house and calmed my dad down. I haven't forgot that. Whenever I hear about kids in these kind of situations... I go back to that particular moment in my time, in my life because I still remember to this very day. I have no sympathy for any parent who wants to 
inflict harm on their kids. That's wrong. They're defenseless. I have no sympathy for you and I can't respect you if you do your child like that. That hurt me as a child because I, I was scared. But I had to take that scared mentality and that fear and it made me angrier because right then and there was low self-esteem issues. I was, I went through school and I seen a lot of stuff. I seen teachers verbally abuse kids. I seen teachers have some, have would, you know, had, would perform ill-explicit behavior in front of us, knowing what they was doing was wrong. But they got away with it. Can you imagine the trauma that that put on a lot of kids? And I had to witness all of it. At that particular time, we didn't know anything about, you know, going, you know, talking to an adult. Because we have went to the principal, it would have been our word versus the teachers. Now, who you think is going to win that one? The teacher. I can remember another event in my childhood that, you know, scarred me. Is the day that I was riding my bike. And I was going at a very high rate of speed. You know, when you're a kid, you want to ride your bike and you want to show off in front of everybody. Well, in this particular instance, I was riding my bike and I decided to hit the brakes. Well, losing control of the bike and I went pretty far. I scraped up my elbow, my knee pretty bad. and, And let's just say that it was... You see blood for the first time come out of your mouth or out of your out of your body, and then you you start screaming, panicking. And that was a little bit traumatizing at the time. I also dealt with low self esteem in school. For some whatever reason, a classmate decided to push me down on a soccer field one day and knock me over and come up and punch me in the face. Well, I got punched in the lip. And I had to go to stitch. That was a traumatic event for me. And I will never forget it because I still have nerve damage in my bottom lip. I've got a nice scar underneath of it. And I have nerve damage. It swells up from time to time because the nerve was partially damaged. A lot of things that we went through also evolves around abandonment. When a child is... The good student and does well in school, that child is not usually celebrated a whole lot. And I can remember seeing kids that were well-mannered and modest students go home and feel like they didn't, they wasn't appreciated. I remember a particular classmate who... She was autistic, and at that time, I was unaware what autism was because they never explained to us what what kind of symptoms people had or elements. I can remember I befriended this individual because I thought, well, just because she's not, excuse me, not like us doesn't mean we treat her any different. And we were talking one day out on the playground. And she was telling me some things and, you know, just out of curiosity, 
I had asked her, I said, uh, I was like, why is your speech slower than, you know, the usual rate? And she said, that that's a good question. And I gave her time and space to to answer and whatnot. And I was like, okay, I, 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 I see where you're coming from. And she said, going, this was, she was going, grew up and the doctors, um, they, they, they diagnosed her with autism when she said she was like three years old and she was autistic, but that didn't stop her from learning. And I remember being on the playground and another kid come up behind her and, and pushed her off the, pushed her out of the swing. And my reaction was don't pick on her. And I ended up getting in trouble because I was accused of pushing the autistic student out of the swing and it wasn't me. I looked at my principal at the time and I said, I didn't do anything. We were just minding our own business talking. I was asking her questions about her likes, you know, what's her favorite movie? Does she have a favorite show? I was just trying to start conversation with a kid that had was just as intelligent as the rest of us just because her speech and her mind didn't quite line up together that I didn't shoot her any different than, any, than anybody else I befriended her and then I be and then everybody looked at me different like why are you gonna be friends with someone who's not all the way there and I said just because she's has a slower rate of learning that doesn't mean you can pick on her and from that day forward I felt like I had an an obligation I pretty much, anytime she was out on the playground, I made sure she was within distance. That way, somebody tried to pick on her, I was right there to lure, uh, to warn them off. And the day that I ended up in the principal's office, I explained to him, and I said, Sir, she has, she's not all the way there, but other kids on the play, playground are trying to hurt her, and I'm trying to protect her. The principal looked at me and said, well, it wasn't my responsibility to look out for other students. I said, well, if something happens, it ain't me. I'm doing my part. We had a couple classes together, and it, we kind of formed a nice little friendship. I remember, the young, I remember the girl's name to this very day, and I haven't seen her since elementary school. I wouldn't even have the slightest idea if she's... Still on the land of living, but I guess you could say she looked at me as a guardian angel for her. Because not a whole lot of kids, you know, befriended her. She struggled to make friends. And I was one of the few kids in the whole school that would, you know, talk to her and kind of laugh and, you know, kind of, you know, break the ice a little bit. Because I had a big heart. It didn't matter to me if... You had a, a slower rate of learning, but I'm not going to treat you any different than anybody else. And from that day forth, we had a pretty strong friendship. I haven't seen her in years, and if I were to see her today, I probably wouldn't recognize her. But she just happened to cross my mind in the process of you know putting together this mental health uh, episode for part two. She was really, really smart. And I applaud her because I'm sure she went off to college and... She was a dean and got, you know, graduated with all kinds of degrees and diplomas. And she's probably somewhere teaching a class or, you know, helping students with learning disabilities. Just because someone is disabled, as far as their learning, their mobility, that doesn't give you the right to 
you know, disrespect them. They're humans too. They're human beings. They have a heart just like the rest of us. Because at the end of the day, I can only imagine what she was dealing with in her mind. And I respected that because like you're the first kid that I've met, you know, that was that was just a genuine individual. And the teachers kind of thought that that was kind of strange. And I was like, how is that strange when I'm, you know, looking out for someone who has a a learning disability to make sure no one tries to hurt her? What What's wrong with that? Well, you know, you can't do that. I'm like, why not? It's like the teachers don't care. The kids on the playground don't care because they see her and she starts talking and goes off in left field somewhere. It's like they're going to start laughing at her. And what do you think that's going to do to her? That's going to upset her to her soul. I wish I could talk to her at this moment in my life. I wish I can talk to her and just say, you know what? I think that what you went through in your life and your childhood at that particular moment, you know, helped me to have a better understanding of a lot of things that are going on. She was a, she was the sweetest girl you ever meet she befriend anybody i can still see her her face and her glasses i can still see that to this very day i don't know if she's still here or where she may be but i know she's probably somewhere doing very well and i would be the first to tell her to say i'm very proud of you ma'am because there was a time where people had picked on her and they'd done it out of spite they'd done it because it was a, a cruel joke I didn't allow that to happen to her and I believe that she may have moved away from elementary school to another elementary school because her family moved around quite a bit due to her daughter to their daughter's uh, learning disabilities and I often said if you don't have the patience to deal with someone with disability I don't know what to tell you yes it could be stressful it can be hurtful at times because you see you want your kids to be normal like everybody else's kids. Just because they have that kind of dis- the mental illness, that doesn't mean that you neglect them. And if the day comes and there's an organization, you know, that in and within my tri-state area, I would like to work with some of the, you know, get a better understanding of autism. Because it it kind of inspires me to want to do better. The employer that I work for, we do a lot for the community. And somewhere down the line in their future, I hope that we're able to do something to impact, you know, individuals, you know, kids and adults that that may that are have learning disabilities, but that isn't that you shouldn't that shouldn't stop them from working. There are a few of them out there where I work at, and they are the nicest individuals you ever meet. They have their little team leader, little group leader. They're getting taught essential skills that's going to help them. And it inspires me every time I see them. I say, hey, how you doing? Have a good night. And that's that. Just because I'm talking to an individual or individuals who may not be, may not have a a sense of understanding. Patience. It takes patience. Physical and sexual abuse, whether for being in your household or at school.
We're at church for what it's worth. I know that there's a lot of things that have happened that keep people away. As kids, we bottle that stuff up and we don't talk about it because we don't want to hurt someone's feelings. We don't want to get someone in trouble because if we open up our mouth about something, it'll be said that, you know, that individual started. It's that individual's fault. It's crazy. It's sick. And it's disgusting. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I've seen it happen in school, elementary school, middle school, and, of course, a few incidents here and there in high school. It's crazy because the things that I've seen were very inappropriate. When you're a kid and you're going to school to try to get education, how do you talk to your principal about that? How do you sit in a classroom day in and day out and one of your teachers is, you know, insinuating, you know, sexual misconduct? How do you deal with that? It's very disgusting. And the reason why I say that, because I know for a fact that it was a traumatic event. And even to this day, when I hear stories about teachers and sexual misconduct with students, I cringe. It makes me say, what the heck? How in the world did you get a job in this field and you have this background? How? But they can they can sweep it under the rug, you know, go send them to counseling, you know, paid administrative leave and all that stuff. But when it's an occurrence, it's every two days, how can a child go to school and focus? It gives them fear and anxiety because they don't want to be a victim. It's bad enough that they see it with their own two eyes and then it... it traumatizes them because they know that that person's was doing wrong but how can they tell another grown adult sad and speaking from experience it was difficult to try to you know talk to my principal about it other kids who witnessed it even to this day some of us are bottled that up because when you have a good teacher you don't get rid of them but if they're doing something sexually misconduct in the classroom, it makes you it makes you not want to go to school. When I hear kids say they don't want to go to school because the teachers is trying to, you know, walk up on them or corner them in a the classroom or corner them in the bathroom for what it's worth, that's when you should take the heat and listen, parents. Look into it, check it out, see what's going on. Because that's your child that you send to that school every day. You trust the teacher and the and the, and the uh, principals and all of them to protect your kids. It's gotten to a point now that kids 
are seeing and doing more than we were growing up. They got to protect themselves. They're learning how to fight and defend. In my case, whenever I done it, I got suspended. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Patrick Brown did get suspended from school whenever I was in I was in elementary school in the second grade and I got tired of getting picked on by a classmate who was bigger than me. I tried to tell my teacher she didn't want to listen. That particular day, as Kevin Hart said, it's about to go down. He made fun of me and said something one more that, that particular day. I got up out of my desk, pushed a chair in, walked over to him. Remind you, I'm the smallest kid in the class and he's bigger than me. I flipped this desk over on him. I kid you not. It took every ounce of energy I had to flip that desk over on this individual. And it was an all-out fist fight almost. The teacher grabbed me, sent me to the principal's office. I had to send the principal's office, principal's office the rest of the day. Whenever they finally got a hold of my mom, it was like, okay, what did he do? And the principal explained. And then they had, they put me on the phone and I told her what happened and they gave, I gave the phone back to the principal. She said, it sounds like my son was defending himself and y'all didn't do nothing about it. And they was like, well, we can't have a problem child, unquote, in the classroom. Your son is a distraction. He's always picking on other people. And that the whole time that the, the, the principal was lying on me, I was standing there with my fist balled up. Because I was mad. As, as a kid, I it, all the rage had finally, it had the rage had built up. I looked at my principal. And I said, if you believe this, and I don't cause any problems with anybody else in the classroom, but this particular individual was picking on me. The only reason why he didn't get suspended, because his parents were on the school corporation board. They were on the school corporation board. It's the only reason why he didn't get suspended. Didn't even get a write-up. I got rolled up, I got suspended for one day, and I got paddled. Back when you still when you can still do that in schools. I thought the punishment I got at school was cake. But when I got home, my dad had other things to say and, and it traumatized me. As a kid growing up, I've always had to defend myself. I was small, full self-esteem. And I struggled with academics. The only thing that kept me sane was anything pertaining to art or music. I joined concert band to kind of give myself, you know, have a peace of mind, have sanity. But when administrators and teachers don't do their job, it makes for complicated interests, conflict of interest, I should say. It was one of those moments I won't forget. And as I went through elementary school, I still dealt with abandonment and physical and sexual abuse. A similar incident occurred in another school. And the principal and teacher forced me. I had to write a letter of apology for something for, you know, defending myself. Had to go in full detail about why I deserve to still be in school, why I deserve to still be in the classroom, and why I won't be a classroom distraction to anybody else. 
for a fourth grader and fifth grader, that was a little too much. They called my mom again, and they said, if your son doesn't get together, we're going to kick him out of school. In my mind, I said, that's fine with me because y'all don't like me. You say you like me, but you don't like me. You know, I can read between the lines. And as I got older, that's something I became very adaptive to. Reading between the lines. And when I try to avoid conflict and verbal abuse and sexual abuse in school, the worse I became as, as in my mind. And, and I'm going to be another tearjerker for you. When you're dealing with physical, emotional, verbal abuse in your house, going to school and sleeping in class was daycare for me. Now, you may say, why would you sleep in class for? Because I was barely sleeping at home at night. I had to sleep with the bedroom door open, with my eyes open. So whenever I did go to sleep, it was sunrise. I would go to school and sleep. I still passed. One of my teachers, very good teacher, and actually two teachers, I would sleep in their class from the time I got there till I got ready to go to lunch. I may not remember what they was talking about, but my mind was absorbing everything that they were saying. And I still passed their classes without question. Literature class and English class, I still passed with an 88%. Now, you may ask, how in the world did I do that? Simple and complicated at the same time. Sometimes you got to block out the noise around you, and that's what i done. I was able to have a sense of sanity and a peace of mind. It's pretty bad when a child has to go to school, and they say, I ain't get much sleep at home, but if you don't mind me taking a nap between you know lectures, that's fine. And my teacher didn't have a problem with it. Because I explained to them what was going on. And that's all I needed to say to them. Because if I had told the principal. Who knows what would have happened to my household. That was fear. Another form of mental health issues with your kids. Is the fear of being an outcast. What I mean by outcast is. You're basically on your own island you're not you know what they you say you're the black sheep of the family always i was always the you know the quiet one you know i had decent grades but there was also a sense of you know being an outcast because i didn't act like the other kids i was modest and, and uh, mild-mannered and it weighed on me because I would see other kids lashing out and I'd be like, man, I hate to be them. But now that I think about it several years later, it's like those kids were dealing with a lot of stuff that didn't get addressed. Most of us are outsiders. You can live, the, you can live your life in conformity and um, being bound and shackled. But all that does is add more stress, anxiety that you really need. I prefer to be the outcast. I prefer to blend out and not in. That's just all I, I know. That's just how I think. I'm always two or three 
plays ahead of everybody else, you know, throwing some, you know, basketball, football terminology for my sports fans out there. Stay ahead, stay ahead of the curve. You may think you try to get me one angle, I'm going to go another. That's how my mind is programmed. Yes, it can be frustrating at times, but at the end of the day, I got to defend myself. Parents divorce and unwarranted behavior. I've been there. I saw the emotional toll that took on my mom and the toll that took on my brother. And being 16 year old, 16 years old at the time, it weighed heavy on me. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No I had to be there for my mom because it was only right. This just when you go through a divorce and kids, I need you to understand this. It's not your fault. When your mom and dad have disagreements on certain aspects of, you know, running a household and finances and all this other stuff. Yes, pride and ego get in the way. But you don't have to, you know, take it to heart. Because every kid that's been through a divorce, you know, been through a divorce with their parents... First question they always ask, is it me that I cause you guys to, you know, go go their separate ways? And the parents say, nah, it's just, it's not working anymore and it's just best for us to go our separate ways. Me being the individual that I am, you know, I wasn't, you know, just got my driver's license and was a sophomore in high school and all this was going up, going on around me. It's difficult. It was very difficult for me. But in my heart of hearts, I had to be there for my mom. Because sooner or later, it was going to take a toll on her. And it eventually did for a little while. It's not easy. Because I had turned 17 that summer. And I necessarily didn't have to go and visit my dad. Because I was in high school. And I had my own thing going on. My brother, on the other hand, had to go see him because he was still in school, you know, middle school or whatnot. And it was just a whole lot of stuff that was said. I can remember being, you know, at my former church and a particular individual, you know, put my mom on blast openly. And nobody offered to stop this individual from talking. So the Sunday that all this went down, I was at work because I was working at Sonic at the time. My mom was chastised and had darts thrown at her. Remember, this is a church for crying out loud. The place you're supposed to go for, it's supposed to be your place of peace, place of worship. But then it turned into Gossip Central. That could be in every church. I'm not saying churches you probably go to, but there's just certain things in your personal life 
that you shouldn't share with everybody. Everybody knew what was going on with my mom and dad. And she got chastised openly for it. And that hurt me. Because I didn't know how, if I had been there on that Sunday, we both probably would have left. Regardless of what was said. I would have told my mom we're leaving. We're not coming back. Wasn't much I can do. Because at the end of the day, we had to make our own decisions. Church is supposed to be a place of worship. Divine healing. You go, you're supposed to feel safe. People ain't supposed to know your business. But at the same time, a lot of stuff was being said. Even in a little small city that I live in. Rumor Central. That hurt. At the school every day and people asking me, you know, kids that didn't even know my mom and dad was asking me questions. Like, I'm not sharing that information with y'all. Are you crazy? Said that ain't got nothing to do with me. That's their that's that's their business. I'm not telling y'all nothing. So eventually it got to a point where I started the old issues of self-esteem started coming back. Anxiety. Because everywhere I went, somebody had something to say. A divorce sucks, in all honesty. It costs more to say I don't versus I do. Legal matters, a lot of paper trail, finances, everything you think you wouldn't need to say I don't comes into play. This is where it gets interesting. People often are so quick, no pun intended, to run to the altar and say, I do. But just as soon as something doesn't go their way, and it's conflict of interest, they're ready to say, I don't. I know some people that were married over 25 years and woke up one morning and said, I think it's best we go our separate ways. Just out of the blue. Now, credit, you may have teenagers during that time. And you got to stop and think, how is that going to affect them? Because everybody's affected differently with divorce. And the unwarranted behavior that follows. That was a disaster. There was a lot of animosity. There was a lot of strife. And confusion. All this can lead to traumatic events in a child's life with their mental health. Now we're going to transition to the adult side of things as far as mental health goes. The expectations to become the breadwinner in your house. What I mean by that is. If both of you have a good, successful jobs, got a nice house, happy home, there's a lot of expectations for you to keep that going. You want to be able to provide for your family and for your kids. And that can be difficult. You may be happy going to work, and some days you're not happy going to work. But at the end of the day, you think about, okay, I got to take care of my wife, my girl, my my kids. Everybody's dependent on me. There's a lot of expectations and anxiety that come with that. 
people expect you to follow through and keep your job, a really good job, so you can enjoy the perks and the lifestyle that you want to live. But when it becomes more than enough that you can handle, it's overwhelming. For either if it's for a man or woman. It gets to a point where you feel like, okay, I'm not doing real good, but there's other areas I can improve in. And it becomes stressful because the more money you make, the more problems that are going to come, as the late Biggie Smalls once said. The more money you make, the more problems to follow. And each time that you think you're doing good, then someone wants to throw a dart at you. Or you may hear things about, well, your your woman makes more than you do, or you make more than your woman, and it becomes complicated. All this adds up, and it plays a role in in mental health in adults. Marriages and parenthood upon having kids. Me, personally, I don't have any kids of my own, biologically. But I've raised a six-year-old and a five-year-old. Part I've raised them from the time that was a year old to six weeks, a year and a six weeks. It can be stressful because my mom sacrificed her career and her job to bring in my niece and nephew. But whenever you're in a marriage and parenthood, you have conflict of interest upon how you want to raise your kids I'd be the type of individual that I would compromise but I'm not going to go against anything she says it's one thing I've learned if you're going to be parents you have to agree on things that you may not want to agree on I'm more of the mild mannered sit down and talk it out type of person but I would not bring self-infliction on my kids. Regardless of how upset I am about something, I wouldn't take it out on them. But when you have people around you in the family, they say, well, this is what you need to be doing with your kids and yada, yada, yay. First thing I would say is, are you, are you putting food on the table? Are you making sure they got a shelter over their head? Are you making sure that they're taken care of? That'd be the question I asked. And I would be, I wouldn't say I'd be mean about it. But a man and woman, it takes two to create one healthy baby. You raise that child the way it's supposed to be raised. Train up a child in the way he should go. But there also comes a time when it's, you know, she may have one view of doing things and you may have a view on another. And next thing you know, you're you're in an argument over something little. This could play a role in this plays a role in your mental health. Because you're constantly striving to make sure everything is where it needs to be. You're already in a marriage. You just had a kid. Now you have to try to make it work. Because babies don't ask to be here. They're conceived out of love. You're supposed to be there for that child. From the day it's born until you see it graduate and they move, they live their adult life. But when you're first starting out 
and you got that one baby, then it's complicated because your your spouse may be dealing with, you know, PTSD after giving birth. And as a man, it's our job to be there for her, to help her through that stuff. Let her know that it's, you know, we'll go to counseling together. But when you don't and you neglect one another, then it eventually takes a toll on you later on. Your feelings for one another isn't the same. And then you feel, you know, separation is inevitable. And it's just to a point that I see some couples out here, most cutest couples you ever see. They got smiles on their face. They got the nice house with the fence, with the, with the fenced-in backyard, and they got the dog running around. He's got his own part of the yard, but the expectations are even higher because people around you are expecting you to fail. They want to see you succeed, but behind closed doors, they're praying for your downfall. If it occurs, it takes a lot out of you. Because now your kids are involved. You have to find common ground somewhere that works for both parties. And it's not easy. It takes a toll on everybody. Everyone have an opinion about everything. This plays a role in the mental health issues on adults. You're constantly around people who want to be in charge, but yet they can't even control their own life. Everybody's got an opinion for everything. They may be in a, a tough spot in their relationship or marriage, yet they want to try to wreck yours because they're miserable. It's happened time and time again. And that's no joke. There's a whole lot of issues that stem from that. So now you feel like, okay, this person's saying this. This person's saying that. But at the end of the day, it's a decision that man and woman should make together. There's also a sense of no accountability or a sense of awareness. Everybody wants to be a chief, but we have no peacemakers. Everybody wants to be held until it's accountable. And it just comes to a point where, okay, this is where your awareness kicks in, your self-awareness. Knowing when and where to, okay, this is how I got to go about this. This is how I need to go about that. Nine times out of ten, you listen to people, you're going to end up losing everything you work for in your marriage. Having that sense of awareness goes a long way. Because without it, you're just a lame duck in the pond. You have no direction. You ever notice when a duck when a duck is in a pond, and it starts going in circles, wet, uh, pedaling in circles, because he doesn't know which direction he wants to go. Either one direction where he knows he's gonna be feel safe, another direction where he's gonna be in harm's way, or just stay in the middle of the two and then go from there. Job-related issues in high demand. Being in, you know, the automotive manufacturing industry. Job-related 
stress and high demand also factor into a mental health element. Working a lot of hours in order to produce the product and everything's in high demand. You may have parts for one and, and no parts for the other. This goes into mental health if you really look at it. You spend a lot of time at your job, you go to work, you work your shift, and then you got to come home and there's more demand. This can be classified as high risk, low reward. Yes, you're working a lot of hours. You got to go home. You got to put your pride and ego to the side because what happened at work stays at work. Whenever you bring that to your house, around your your spouse and your kids, how do you think that's going to affect them? It affects them because it's affecting you because you're bringing that back to your front door, your back door. Sometimes you got to shake it off and move forward because that too can bring a lot of anxiety and depression because you want to be the best team member you can be. You want to build the best way you can so you can go home to your spouse and have dinner, breakfast, whatever the case may be. But when you neglect one, you're neglecting the others, meaning you neglect your house and everybody else that lives in it because you're so caught up in being want to be top dog on your job and you come home and you're not on your job but you still have that mentality when you walk in at the back door and that too can be a very de facto in mental health issues financial issues with marriage when, when individuals get married the goal is to stay married it's easy to say I do, but it costs a lot more to say I don't. As I discussed in the previous segment, financial issues can break up a marriage. It can break up a relationship. If you're not good with, you know, saving money, saving money in a budget, that's gonna come back and bite you. It's always best. When you have a get married, I know a lot of couples have joint accounts. I understand that. But just remember, whenever you split, I guess you figure out who gets what. Or you split it down the middle and give each of you 50-50. Because the financial reasons, to me, is one of the biggest issues in marriage and within the, the sanity of a couple. It becomes unwarranted behavior, insecurities, and trust issues. Not only that, infidelity may occur as well. You have to ask yourself, is it worth risking everything that you built up for just so you can throw it away? I ask that because I see a lot of couples out there, young, around my age, and younger. Make sure that you have your finances in order before you get 
into involved in a get involved in a relationship and eventually get married. The stuff that they don't teach us in school is the stuff they should be teaching kids now to avoid going down that path. I know that may sound far fetched, but it is always going to be somewhere along the way finances are going to play a role in one's mental health because they feel like they don't have enough money to take care of their family. So they work, 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 work just to make ends meet. And it's still not enough money when you're trying to take care of kids and your spouse and making sure everybody is good. But no one takes the time to see how we're doing. It's sad. It really is. Because a lot of marriages can be saved if they would just sit down and talk about it. And the love of money is the root of all evil. It's been documented over the last several years what happens when people get obsessed with money. They start doing things they normally wouldn't do and the behavior is unwarranted. But whenever you have that kind of bread and you're just out being seen, wise man once said, if you don't save money now, you'll never have it whenever you need it. And that is very true. Immaturity issues that lead to unwarranted behavior and mistakes. Infidelity can occur. Whether if it's man or woman. And you can be dealing with mistakes on top of mistakes. This can play a role in your mental health. You have to go in mature in any marriage relationship. You got to be in the mature one. Understand your spouse. Know what makes her tick. Know what makes her, you know, break down and cry. But you, you should be stable and mature enough to handle whatever life throws at you because if you're not and you're very immature about it bad things can happen too many voices around you can be another defactor in your mental health we often we have our inner circle we have that group of friends that we go some go have a beer with, go out to eat with, do social gatherings at each other's houses. That can be probably among the top three, if truth be told. When you have that many voices in your ears, it just lets you know that, okay, why are they saying this and why am I picking up on it? That's where pride and ego come into play. Because if your job is to provide for the family, you don't need no other voices in your ears. That's how infidelity occurs. You get too comfortable around others. And next thing you know, you've done something you ain't supposed to do. It's sad. Because a lot of people break up good homes because of financial issues and infidelity, infidelity issues. Before we get up out of here, I've got one more one more segment and we're going to end the the podcast for today. Don't wait until you get to a breaking point to seek help. Seek treatment. 
holistic medicine or prescription medicine from your, your healthcare provider. Don't let it get to a point where you want to do something crazy to yourself. You shouldn't allow that to happen. I look at a lot of people today and they're going through, but they don't have someone, you know, in their corner to say, hey, I, I believe that you should go see a therapist, you know, make an appointment to see a therapist. And some people don't want to go because they're afraid of being called a, a handicap. And that's when all the teasing starts. Everybody wants to be in charge until it's time to put up some work. So don't let your mental health put you in a dark space where you can't get out of it. Don't let anxiety and depression weigh you down. Don't let the weight of the world get to you. Keep a sane mind and a peace of mind. Be safe. Take care of yourself. And with that being said, I thank you for taking time out of your schedule today to listen to the podcast right here on the Grid Network. Be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe to the Grid on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you may uh, get your podcast from. Be sure to follow us on YouTube at the Grid Network. You should see the Grid logo in the profile picture and a row of content from my Grid teammates. Shout out to them. A lot of phenomenal content creators. Y'all make sure that y'all hit this wave while it while it's going because you can't say I didn't tell you. We're going to get up out of here. And I thank you all today. Keep each other prayed up. Make sure that you're that you tell someone you love them. Because you may never know if it'll be the last time you you'll get to see them. And with that, and this is it for today. Please, please make sure you take care of your emotional health, intimate health, mental, physical, and spiritual health. Make sure you're in a safe space. If you need help, seek treatments. Don't wait till you get to a point of suicidal thoughts before you decide to go. Everything in life we see is going on. It's not right. You got to do what you can to to make sure that you're in a safe space. And I applaud those who are in safe spaces and still going to therapy and counseling. It is it is something special. And that's all the time we have for today. I thank you all for listening. Once again, make sure you subscribe, share, like, and comment the grid. You can follow all of us on our socials, on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. You know, feedback is 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 always welcome. So if you have any feedback on any of the episodes for our content creators and myself, please let us know in the, in the comment section on um do it on your review for Apple Podcasts and Google. You can write a review or you can reach out to one uh reach out to one of us on our social media platforms and we'll do what we can to respond. The sun is shining and it's a little chilly, but I'm gonna go ahead and 
get off here so I can get ready to call it a day for a little bit before I have to get back up and go to work. I hope that you received something out of this particular episode. Part three is coming, so be on the lookout for that. Also, check out my new podcast, The Form, a Los Angeles Lakers podcast on the grid as well. There's cut three episodes of the of the form. You're more than welcome to go back and listen. And just make sure that you know you guys are enjoying the content. And really, really enjoy the content because our network is growing. Shout out to all my, my grid teammates. And shout out to everybody who's listening to this podcast right now. I'm sure you done went through a pack of Kleenexes and whatnot, but you know, we just gotta get it off our chest sometimes. That is all. I'm gonna get off here. And I'm well, I'm gonna leave you with this thought. And I, I assure you that this this is gonna be the last thing I say. Regardless of what life throws at you, continue to stay strong. Weary days and nights may come, but some sleepless nights. But as long as you put one foot in front of the other, things change. Keep striving and keep rising to the top. This is Patrick L. Brown signing off for today. Please take care. I'll see y'all next week. Peace out. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.